Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Today's show will feature interviews with former Kansas City Chiefs running back Christian Okoye and Army veteran and Seattle Seahawk Nate Boyer. Visit FSPN.net for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now talking with former Kansas City Chiefs star running back Christian Okoye, here's Roman Gabriel III. Oh, welcome into Sold Out Sports Talk. Uh, my guest coming in, well, this is a guy who changed the face of what football looked like overseas. Uh, Christian Okoye, former Kansas City Chief, six times, uh, six years with the Kansas City Chiefs, two times to the Pro Bowl, uh, Azusa Pacific College, and uh, now making a, a continued difference out in Southern California through the Christian Okoye Foundation, uh, as well as the California Sports Hall of Fame, which he founded, uh, Christian Okoye. Christian, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Gabriel. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Well, it's always exciting to have a guy uh, who's made the impact that you've made. And, you know, as former players and as uh, guys that wanted to make a difference, you are you are one of those model guys. And uh, so many great things uh, that you were able to do for opening the door for Nigerians in the professional football league in the NFL and, and in so many different ways. And for people who don't know your story, Christian, you were a guy who didn't start playing football till you're 23 years old, right? That's right. I started playing football when I was uh, my junior year in college. Yeah. Now, you were a soccer guy and a track and field guy in Nigeria, tr- tried to make the Olympics as a sprinter, and that's hard to believe at 260 pounds that you ran a four four five forty. Uh I mean, back then, even today, that would be, uh, you know, incredible stuff. But, you know, what was the thing that turned you uh, to football, and, and how does a guy who grows up in soccer-laden Nigeria – running track, uh, get interested in the game of football? Yeah, as you said, a track guy, I was uh, working so hard because the Olympics, the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles was coming up. So I um, actually came to college to be near Los Angeles and uh, get proper training so I can be ready for it, knowing that I can make it and I'll be able to make an impact in the game in '84. I, uh, my goal was to be there, so I worked extremely hard, and uh, I made it. I, I made my mark, and I was competing. I was throwing. I was a discus thrower by then, and I was co- competing with the, uh, the the best of them in the world, you know, the German guy, Russian guy, and the best of them in the U.S. And uh, for some reason, when 84 came around, Nigeria left me. They didn't take me with them to go to the Olympics, and that was a, a big blow to me, big disappointment. So uh, because of my size, speed, and strength, you know, a bunch of my friends and some of the coaches have been asking me if I ever thought about playing football. I'm not having played football in Nigeria. I'm not growing up with football. I didn't want anything to do with the game. Uh, but when this disappointment of not going to the Olympics came, I decided that I would give football a chance and try it. Since uh, track and field has uh, passed me on. You know, so that's how I started playing football, and uh, the amount of support I received from my teammates and from the coaches, knowing that I had never played football before, 
uh, everybody was a coach to me. Everybody was encouraging me, and um, I was blessed. I was blessed, and uh, here I am. From okay, there, so I'm thinking that the uh, head coach of the Zoos of Pacific out there couldn't have been very unhappy when you were excited about the opportunity <laughs> to play football at uh, 260 pounds of four four five forty. They probably probably were more excited than anybody's ever been to see you at the football field, right? <laughs> he said that uh, a bunch of his friends were asking him or telling him to put me in football, and he, he told them that he didn't he didn't want to pressure me. But one day I walked into his office and said, Coach, I want to play football. And it's so funny that uh, when I asked him, uh, when I told him that, he said to me, What position would you like? And of course, I didn't know anything in football, I didn't know any position. Uh, I, I, uh, I said, um, I watched the TV and I saw this guy run around the field and uh, run like 70 yards and scored a touchdown. And the last Super Bowl, I saw that in the news. I said, Who was that? And he said, that was uh, Marcus Allen when the Raiders beat the Redskins in the Super Bowl, if you remember, in 1982, yes. And uh, he said, that was uh, Marcus Allen. And uh, I asked him, what position was he playing? He said, running back. I said, well, that's the position I like. I'm going to play that. That's how I ended up playing running back position. Christian Okoye, our guest, and uh, just a few years later, he was drafted number two. Uh, in uh, the 35th pick in the second round to the Kansas City Chiefs and became at that time their all-time leading rusher and held many records for many years in his six-year career there. And, um, you know, people remember you for your nickname, Christian. Uh, How did the Nigerian nightmare come about? (laughs) That's better than practice. Um, You know how you're practicing and uh, veterans, you know, they're kind of like taking things lightly and the coaches were getting upset and saying, give me full speed. We want to see the picture when we watch film. And the veterans were still doing what they were doing. And being a rookie, I was going full speed. And if you block and then and, and let your guy go, I'm knocking everybody over. You see, so when we're watching the films and um, one of the linemen, Irv Eatman, you remember him? He went to uh, yes, yes, UCLA. USFL, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Stars, UCLA guy. That's, that's right. So he's the guy that uh, uh, called me the Nigerian nightmare in the meeting room. So he kind of picked up from then that when ESPN came over to uh, do a story of me and uh, they were interviewing the players, they interviewed him and he called me the Nigerian nightmare and that picked up from there. Well, the good thing about ESPN is, as I just read, uh, if you get a chance and you have ESPN.com and go there, October 2nd, Doug Williams wrote a great article about uh, Christian and about the impact that he had on Nigerian football. And the thing I was going to getting ready to ask you was, um, how did uh, you know your people back in your country respond to your incredible success with the Chiefs? Everybody was happy. I mean, people people know the name. They they saw the clips and they saw the stories. Actually, NFL Network went down there. NFL fans went to Nigeria and did a story of me. Uh, went to my old high school and uh, talked to a bunch of my relatives, my old coaches out there. Uh, so they they played that clip um, over and over and over again in Nigeria, which is actually. Um, making a bunch of Nigerian parents uh, starting to put their kids in the, in the Little League and Pop Warner right now and uh, resulting in 
bunch of Nigerians playing the college and NFL level now, today. And the incredible thing about Christian is he went on to be the AFC Offensive Player of the Year in 1989 with the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, what I find really interesting, Christian, is the way that you've used your platform and the way you continue to do that. Uh, you were trying to and have been trying to establish the game in Nigeria. Tell us about that. Yes, I have been trying to establish the game in Nigeria because Nigerians are so hungry for different things. Soccer is, is huge in Nigeria. Soccer is huge, but uh, in this small Texas-sized country, we have 175 million people living there, and not everybody would be playing soccer. You have to, you have to introduce other things. And uh, football and basketball and baseball are, can be introduced in Nigeria. So for five, six years, I've been trying to introduce football in particular in Nigeria. Football being a very expensive sport, we're trying to introduce flag football so, so that kids can actually get an idea of what football is about and learn the rules and so on, so that when we do have the money, we can bring in pads so that uh, they can play the real football. But for now, flag football is the deal. Christian Okoye is our guest right here on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. And, you know, Christian, you know, you've not only touched Nigeria, but you've also used your uh, opportunities here uh, in the States. And uh, you have, uh, for many years now, had the Christian Okoye Foundation in the Inland Empire in Riverside, California. Tell us about your foundation and what you're trying to do there. Yeah, I've been working with the Christian Okoye Foundation now for about 27 years. And, um, the primary mission is to uh, get the kids, the inner city kids, out of their environment, introduce them what's around them. You know, that will broaden their goals and that will broaden their outlook in life and help them set goals and see what out there, what is out there. And uh, we do that uh, through sports, holding, uh, hosting uh, uh, football and soccer clinics. So when they come out, I invite professional athletes, uh, active and retired, to come out there and speak to the kids, and um, that helps a lot. And uh, I see a bunch of those guys who attended my event. Some of them are businessmen now. Some of them are, wow. you know, family men. They come up to me every day and, uh, you know, shake my hand for the words that some of the athletes said to them when they came to my, you know, uh, event. Christian, just a couple minutes left. I, I I cannot let you go today without asking you about what's going on with the NFL, with uh, this whole controversy about standing for the national anthem, and some of the <laughs> some of the things that have been happening, uh, you know, this year that have caused so much distress, uh, with so much division in our country right now. Uh, the NFL has always been the game to bring people together, and uh, ho hopefully, we're trying to do something to change that. So, tell us about uh, what your thoughts are on that. Well, you see, every time you bring uh, politics into anything, it, it kind of it, it involves people. It, 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 it pinches people differently, and uh, uh, that's what it is, politics. And uh, when Colin Kaepernick started doing kneeling down uh, for the anthem, you know, everybody was upset. You know, nobody knew why he was doing that. And then he spoke up and said it's because of uh, police brutality everywhere where the police are killing the young black men out there. I mean, if uh, you think about that, yeah, you know, the cause is right. And then you think on the other side, you know, you're going to rub a lot of people wrong because 
I am friends with a bunch of guys that went to Iraq and Afghanistan. A bunch of my friends have their arms and legs blown out and uh, their whole body burnt. You know, those are my friends. These are people that I, I hung out with and tried to help and, uh, you know, fellowship with. You see, so those guys are the type of guys that will, that will be hurt seeing that on TV. So that's got to be a, a medium where everybody can come together and, and to actually talk about it. If you keep doing it and actions like this, um, it, it just boils blood. It makes, it keeps, you know, a bunch of people upset. But we need to uh, start talking now. Yeah, the protest is done. And we know what's going on, but we have to put that into action now. You see, when Colin started this, you know, everybody was upset, and then we understood why he was doing it. Then you need to stop. Let's talk about it since we understand what's going on. That's where I'm at. Christian Okoye, uh, the Nigerian nightmare. And uh, you, uh, very quickly, Christian, what's your website for your Okoye uh, Foundation? Uh, my foundation website is okoyefoundation.org. Okoye Foundation.org. Yes, and also the California Sports Hall of Fame.org. All right, we'll get those up on all our social sites. Christian, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Nate Boyer from the military coming in. You're listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with Seattle Seahawk and Army veteran Nate Boyer. Visit FSBN.net for all things faith, family, and sports. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. With me, one of my favorite teams, one of my favorite coaches. Uh, he had a great experience with the Seattle Seahawks. Army background. Nate Boyer's with us today. Nate, how are you? Very good. How are you doing, sir? I'm, hey, listen, I'm awesome. Our show's about faith, family, and sports, and it's about telling the stories behind the scenes of, of people. Uh, and obviously, you have a great story. Um, shirt you're wearing today, Merging Vets and Players. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, we're, we're basically bringing together combat veterans and former uh, elite athletes from various sports um, and trying to, to help provide that team and, and that camaraderie uh, that, that's lost often when the uniform comes off, whether it's camouflage or the color right. of your team, and uh, to find purpose again in life moving forward and, and, and not feel like you'll ever, the only thing you'll do that was important in your life was what you did before, you know, that identity loss is not an identity loss, it's just a piece of who you are. It's a something transition. You did. Yeah, it's a transition. You know, who you are is not the veteran or the athlete. Who you are is the person that overcame so much to achieve that right. you know what i mean and you can go on in your life and tackle whatever next challenge and dream you have uh, by applying the same type of mentality and that's all we're just we're just trying to remind these guys and girls you know what i mean and bring them together once a week they come out to uh, to unbreakable performance center it's a gym in los angeles and we, we work out together and then uh we sit around and sort of powwow and coach each other up and uh, we just started one in Las Vegas now at Randy Couture's gym. Well, how did this uh, start? There. So it just started through conversations I had with uh, Jay Glazer. Uh, yeah, Jay. I was yeah. with Jay the other day. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Jay's great. So him and I, he, it's his, uh, he's the president. You know, he's the, we're kind of co-founders in this yeah. deal. And, he didn't uh, even tell me about this. You need to tell him. Why didn't he tell me about that? We talked for about 15 minutes. Really? He yeah. was, well, he's got, 
Jay's oh, got his, Fox, he's got his fingers in a lot exactly. of pies, you know what I mean? So he's a, he's a, but this is near and dear to his heart. He's walking around today wearing the same shirt cool. and, and, and talking about it uh, on all the different outlets. So, so it's, it's for athletes, for former military. Exactly. Um, how long were you in the Army? I was in the Army for 10 years total. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, I did so six years active duty, and then I did four in the in the National Guard while I was playing uh, football at Texas. Actually, where, uh, so you played for Mac? Yes. I played okay. For, uh, yeah, for Mac Brown, and uh, well, my last year was with Charlie Strong. Oh yeah, it was okay. his first year. Right way. Okay. So Nate, where did you serve in, in the army? What were your tours? I was in. Uh, I went to Iraq once, and I went to Afghanistan uh, twice, actually, in uh, various other countries over the, those years. But uh, yeah, that was sort of the main, you know, the, the big combat deployments that I went on. Well, did did you come back with any struggles in terms of just, you know, what a lot of these guys go through coming back, uh, you know, the syndromes, the, you know, the depression, you know, trying to transition? I mean, what, what was what was for I you? I think I was fortunate. Um, I, I dealt with stuff. I still deal with stuff. But I think I was fortunate in that I had football. You know, mm-hmm. I had another mission, another challenge to kind of pursue. And that's... But I'm trying to help communicate and provide for the so, guys so and girls how, that come so to MVP. Transition-wise, you know? so you get out of the Army. So how, what, tell me about how the opportunity came about for the Seahawks. Well, I mean, I played, I played college football first you know, right. for the four years. And, um, but you so were out trans- for a while. I, I was you? out, but, uh, but I was still in the National Guard. Okay. So I deployed every summer while gotcha. I was in school. So I had it kind of, it, it like, uh, you know, it paired back. <laughs> um, so for me... I even had some struggles with that kind of stuff, with some of the guilt and, and uh, yeah, that, that uh, loss of purpose. Is what I'm doing now really that important compared to what I did before? Um, but the answer is uh, yes. I mean, you can't, you can't serve forever. And if everybody serves, then what are we fighting for? You right. Know? And all these opportunities and freedoms and stuff like football, like, yeah, it's a game. It's a sport, but it's a huge part of our culture. So why society, the Seahawks? Especially in a, in a divided why the Seahawks? country. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I got a call from Coach Carroll and mm-hmm. uh, from John Schneider and, I had to choose between the Seahawks or uh, uh, there was the St. Louis Rams at that time. And um, the Seahawks had come off back-to-back Super Bowls. And I, I, I just thought it was a bigger challenge. And I wanted to go right. try out for the tougher team at yeah. that time. you know. And, and uh, I appreciate the offer by the, by the Rams, but that made sense for me uh, in that moment to go, um, to go with – yeah, I mean, I always try to do everything elite. I was in the Special Forces yeah. when I was in the Army. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to be with the best and alongside the best. So. That's driven. What, that's what you got to be driven, right? Exactly. I mean, one of the things that we always talk about is, is obviously in the military, you better have a passion and be focused in what you're doing, or it could cost you your right. life. But in football, uh, I always tell kids, I say, listen, this is one sport that you can't play unless you have passion. Um, Absolutely. It, it's not a deal that you can just, you know, one day turn it on or turn it off. You got to get after it every single day. So, sounds like uh, your military training and, of course, what you did in Texas, that uh, it wasn't a hard leap to get into training camp and get after it. I never would have made it without the military, you know, and the, uh, the discipline that, that instilled in me and understanding what you have to sacrifice to be elite at something. So, without, <laughs> without that knowledge, I, ne- I never would have had a shot, even though I was a 34 year old rookie. I was 24 and in better. A 34 year old rookie, yeah. I like that. But, but you don't look. You look. You look like you're in pretty good shape, buddy. Now, you know. But yeah, no, I, I, I worked out a little. Yeah, bit. there you go. Well, listen, you played for a guy who's one of my most interesting coaches in sports, um, Pete Carroll, uh, who's done an incredible job with the Seahawks. So, tell me what it's like just playing for Coach Carroll and just that experience. I mean, amazing. The guy is. Uh, the way that he's changed himself and grown from where he started out at his first go-round coaching, you know, with the Patriots right. and the Jets, and uh, 
I don't think he was a happy person. You know what I mean? He didn't have a good time doing it. And then he went to USC and he sort of changed the way he Winning did does that, though. It does. But, but he, <laughs> USC, changed, he changed the way he They were he was bigger coaching. than the, the pro teams that out there where they were true. going. He had quite a run there. Yeah, he did. But, uh, yeah, he grew He grew a lot and changed and uh, adapted a, adopted a different style of, uh, of coaching. It was all about positivity and, and uh, competing in everything. You know, when we go into the team meeting rooms before every meeting, uh, the, a player from the offense, a player from the defense, uh, shoots hoops and plays knockout. Is know? that right? And it's like a big thing, and the music's playing, and everyone's like, you know, it's everything's a competition all the time, just to keep guys switched on. That's you know? awesome. It's cool. So really, really, everything's twenty-four hour. Go for it. Uh, you know, in his mentality, it's like if you're not competing all the time, then you're not going to be ready to compete on Sunday. Exactly. Talk. So um, tell me, tell me about what the biggest challenge. Uh, when you came into pro football in that first couple of weeks of being in camp was. Um, just the speed. No, uh, the yeah, size and they're of the, and the they're really fast. The guys, I mean, the, for some for 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 an object that big to move that fast, yeah. human or not, is uh, it's hard to deal with. And, they, and mean, they got a lot of speed. One, you know, one thing that I went and covered their first Super Bowl in New York and their second Super Bowl. One of the things that impressed me about them was, and I've and I've covered the Super Bowl in the NFL for twenty five years. Everybody, it seemed like, was tall, lanky, fast. And, and, and like you said, just they, they look like superheroes. And then I mean, a lot of them weren't drafted very high. No, no. <laughs> they just so got they a had chip a chip on, on their shoulder. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm the, sure you Pete, had a chip Pete on your shoulder, too, too, being there, yeah, too. absolutely. So, so how, was, how was it uh, on uh, when, you, when you finally left the Seahawks in terms of you and Pete? Do you still? Uh, yeah. No, we've been in contact. We actually talked uh, not too long ago. I was out there to practice, and we, we talked for quite a while. Uh, but. Yeah, no, Pete, Pete's a great guy. He really is. And, and so the, the whole organization, I mean, I, it's the only one I got to experience. I have uh, met some other organizations and coaching staffs and all that and nothing against them. But there's a reason that they are back in that, uh, you know, the playoff discussion every year. And it's the way they do things and that passion that that whole organization has and how the players play for one another. They got a quarterback in Russell Wilson's former NC State guy. Grew up right around where, where I grew from in Carolina. And um, tell me about being around Russell Wilson. What? Tell me about a little bit about him that maybe we don't know about. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's you know he's obviously everyone knows that that, he, that he's a leader on the field. And he's uh, I think he's kind of adopted a lot of that Pete Carroll mentality too. He's a po- just positive yeah. person, you know what I mean? Real he's positive. always oh we're always in the game. You know, he really believes that, and he gets the guys to believe that, you know. And then there's other guys that sometimes the the media maybe vilifies a little bit, that like like Marshawn Lynch, and yeah. Richard Sherman, who people don't understand what great teammates those guys are. You know what I mean? They're, they they have big personalities and attitudes and, and I was all gonna that. Say, and I was going to say, the one thing that Pete Carroll does differently than a lot of coaches is, and I've heard this said, he says this, I treat everybody, let them be themselves. I, right. I encourage individualism, which which goes totally against yeah. you know the whole team concept thing. So how does that work? Well, if you don't let people be who they are, um, they're not going to be happy, yeah. <laughs> I would think. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, so he gives them the freedom to do that, and, and uh, it's it, it, I mean, a locker room that has that kind of diversity is much more interesting anyway. You want to be around characters; right. it's fun, you know. What I mean, to play with that stuff. So, um, but those guys, like I mean, I remember in training camp watching Marshawn and Richard Sherman coach up some of these younger guys in the defensive backfield and the running backs, and um, these guys are coming after their jobs and they're you know. Helping them out, and it's not like that everywhere. Right, you know no, you're, I mean? exactly, you're exactly Russell's, right about Russell's, that. Russell's the same way. It's like they're not. I don't feel like my job's being threatened here. But if a team makes us better, you know, if us, if me helping uh, that new rookie quarterback 
makes us better for when I do roll an ankle or something and he needs to step in and he's ready. Like, you know, winning is, at the end of the day, the most important thing when it comes to a football game. Nate Boyer, Army veteran, Seattle Seahawk, and um, always going to be, it sounds like. Uh, you got the wristband going? Yeah. What do we got going here? United we, United United we, we stand. stand. Yeah, this is actually like uh, Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner came uh, up that, with these. I saw the green and blue, and I thought yeah. Yeah, one of their assistant coaches had that out there. Really cool. Yeah. Tell, tell me, um, first of all, before I let you go, we want to thank you for your service to the country. Thank you Absolutely very much. awesome. Tell us the website they need to go to to get yeah. involved with this program for veterans and, 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 and former athletes. Merging Vets and Players is the name of it. Yep, vetsandplayers.org is the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, we appreciate your support in any way. And we're looking to grow and bring this thing all across the country. Right now we're just in Los Angeles and uh, Las Vegas. Uh, but we're only about a year old and we're moving fast. So yeah. Well, that's how know, Jay works. That's, yeah, you're exactly right. Jay Glazer of Fox Sports and Fox Football and UFC. And uh, you don't get in the ring with him at Spar, do you? <laughs> nah, I'd, I'd with him. Yeah, you, I, that's what yeah, I was thinking. Of, he, because he is a, he is a beast. Yeah, I, yeah. I told somebody the other day, I said, he's the nicest guy in the world, but you wouldn't want to run into him in a bad mood in, the, in an alley or anything. He's built like a fire <laughs> Well, listen, Nate, appreciate you coming on Sold Out. Let's stay in touch. Appreciate you for everything you're doing. Thank you, Greg. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, www.fspn.net and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.